0: You're listening to the Just Giants Podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan.
1: Be sure to listen for free on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Podbean. Second down, play fake to Thompson. And across the middle, and it's intercepted by Jabril
0: Peppers. He will go to the end zone. So we recorded this episode, and... um, As we were signing off, there was some late breaking news, and unfortunately, is the biggest news probably. So we're gonna kind of throw it in from the beginning, throw it into the beginning. But uh, what we're talking about is obviously Dalvin Tomlinson signing with the Minnesota Vikings. He will no longer be a Giant next year. Um, You know, we we just you know the thoughts that came from that were raw and in the moment as we were reading it. So uh, a little choppy apologize for that, but uh, the rest of the episode will follow after our little conversation about Dalvin Tomlinson. Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I'm your host, the Football Grump, and with me as always is Mike, the Cranky Fan.
1: Hey Grump, how you doing? Welcome to, uh, as we get closer and closer to
0: the draft and free agency.
1: You know, we're in kind of unofficial free agency period now, so... Lots to talk about.
0: We, we have entered, as of yesterday, um, the legal tampering period, which is the same as the illegal tampering period, except <laughs> now there are official announcements from official Team Twitters instead of Ian Rappaport and Adam Schefter. And
1: but even though it's the – there's announcements from Team Twitters, that doesn't mean we have pen to paper yet, right? Mm-hmm. Okay.
0: Correct. Actually – I mean, it, in some rare instances, we see once every couple of years, maybe once every two years, some announcement. Everybody knows it, and then it doesn't come true. Uh, right. It's it's pretty rare, but this. But the point I'm making is this legal tampering period is they've already done all this. You know, for the most part, there's already been some testing of the waters, and today is the official offer day of what they already kind of knew was coming.
1: Right, and like. Well, I say that because I know you, on Instagram we saw a picture of Tom Brady signing his extension. Remember, Tom Brady is with the Bucks. This isn't a free agent moving from one to the other. Correct. So,
0: yeah, Tom Brady, they, they, Tom Brady is not in the free agent pool. He is already a Buck. Lucky us. Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> For us, Valari Bowl losers and may have to potentially pay up again this year. So. Yeah. Well. Uh,
0: I, I'm not. Tom Brady can blow me. I'm not worried about him at all. Well, two
1: things may be true. He may, he could blow you, but he's <laughs> that team is still a Super Bowl champion, and they're bringing everybody back. I, so I should watch. These, I, these two things may be true.
0: <laughs> I should, I should, yeah, I should watch what I say. I've seen him open mouth kiss his son. Anyway, that's okay. That's okay. <laughs> open mouth kisses eight rings also.
1: <laughs> um, hey, uh, I got a late update here. This oh, okay. is. Uh, Four minutes ago, Dalvin Tomlinson's leaving the Giants and heading to the Vikings on a two-year, twenty-two million dollar deal.
0: Oh yeah, look at that! I just refreshed it, and there it is. Yep.
1: So that is from around the NFL, and is now all over the place on Twitter. <laughs> so, I mean, really quick, what does this mean? What do you think? The, what do you think the plan is now? I guess. I mean, obviously, it's does that. Change the dynamic on how you negotiate with uh, uh, Leonard Williams, or is that kind of an independent thing first? Eh,
0: no, I mean you've got Leonard Williams on the hook no matter what. So I don't, I don't know that it changes how you do it, but you know, it's it's kind of what I expected. It was going to be one or the other. They used the tag on Williams. So, well,
1: I, I think it's interesting that. Tomlinson didn't let it play out with the Giants. I guess you know, uh, two years, twenty-two million, so eleven million—that would have been the number. Could we even—is that something that is that a deal that blew us out of the water, like we had no chance?
0: No, even we could we could have
1: done that. Um... Mm. See, that's just another moral. Of the story to everybody is: don't assume a thing in free agency. Because just what you think, and usually what you hope, does not mean that's the way it is. I mean, we, you have no idea what you know. Agents and GMs are are working behind the scenes. How far things are along, you know, it might have been. You know, he might have said case closed to the Giants six weeks ago, and nobody knew it on the outside. And you know, these these things happen. So now the Giants have to worry about getting another defensive tackle in addition to. Figure out how much they're going to pay Leonard Williams.
0: Yeah, um, I mean, this is kind of what I expected once they they tagged Williams, though, uh, was that they would have liked to keep Tomlinson too, but you know they were prepared to not be able to. And uh, what this means is they signed Austin Johnson, and they'll probably either sign somebody else to a, a small deal or use the late end of the draft for a defensive tackle,
1: which is so. Do you do you think they knew? this was going down when they made the deal for Austin Johnson uh, I would say
0: yes yeah probably I, I, I think I think it was probably a little bit more like you know we're interested you just got to give us some time you know feel free to explore the market whatever but you know as we try to make room you know we'll do what we can kind of thing I, mean, I don't think he wanted to wait just to just to stay home didn't want to watch his uh, his value tank right I mean does that seem fair
1: yeah, yeah.
0: But whoever knows what goes on in these fucking uh, Jerry Maguire-style conversations, you know?
1: Now, what do we get as far as compensation picks for losing him?
0: I do not know. I will never understand the comp pick formula. I just take it when, when other people tell me about it. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a technically secret formula that people are really good at guessing.
1: Of this contract, two years, twenty-two million, twenty millions guaranteed.
0: Good for him. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we've been very fortunate with him. He's been a steady player from the moment he was drafted. His rookie year, he didn't get talked about a lot, but then when you looked at his stats, it was like, well, in the time he played, he was actually perfect. You know, and not only that, he had some injury questions coming out of college which is one of the reasons why he dipped is because he missed a whole year due to a knee injury so we were very fortunate with that as well he virtually uninjured his entire tenure here
1: here's some more numbers two years 22 million 20 million total guarantee 16 million fully guaranteed a 15 million dollar signing bonus and 16 million the first year so they're front loading this pretty far
0: yeah all this for a team that doesn't have a quarterback right (laughs) <laughs> <Well>. <laughs> um, yeah I, I hate alright so glad <laughs> you
1: pissed in your uh, late night tea before you went to sleep but unfortunately
0: there's the news there's, yeah that's the way the news goes Whatever uh, you know, this kind of stuff. By the time this episode releases, there'll be three more moves worth talking about on the episode. Yeah. So,
1: oh, and, and another thing too, you know, only a two-year deal. We talked
0: earlier in the you know about a lot of these deals are short because of the the money that they're that teams are able to give out. You know, there, there's a couple teams like the Patriots that have the money. The Jets have the money. They're giving out real Jackson. contracts. Yeah. yeah, but but there's a lot of teams that don't have the money right now, and so you're seeing a lot of one two year deals. Um, You know, everyone's trying to figure out this cap situation. Sucks. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So, so with all of this madness, we've seen a lot of uh, NFL players uh, unofficially, officially, uh, air quotes signing with new teams. Some big name guys going around, but to be honest, not a whole lot of movement. the Giants have been uh, at least a little bit active. We're, we're, we're going to get into what they've done over the weekend to set up all of this madness for them to get under the cap and and you know whatever there was there was some shuffling in the offensive line and don't worry that's all going to, to be talked about but that's going to be mostly offensive line talk so we'll we'll save that for a little bit let's just get to some of the other moves they made um, the first one wasn't really a free agency move but but. You know They have franchise-tagged Leonard Williams right now, and the idea is if it, from every reporter on the Giants' beat is that they are actually working on a long-term extension. This is not a plan to have Leonard Williams play for the second year on a tag.
1: Yeah, this is um, – you know, and I think the big hang-up I think is – I believe that Leonard Williams filed a grievance that classification – Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Whether he's considered a defensive tackle or defensive end, and that means you know, quite a bit of difference in you know what you're franchised at first mm-hmm. of all, you know, and second of all, what your market rate really is when you're going into this. I, I think everybody thinks the deal is ultimately it done. Um, I think this is something they just got to kind of hammer out and make come to come to a common ground and what they're going to go for. Um, but again I'm you know I remind everybody this all the time that even if he's franchised again and he goes away he'll be with the Giants for two and a half years and still for those who are keeping score home and think that the trade was a big waste of time no he'll be with them for uh, you know a considerable amount of time
0: yeah and I I, I've said this before but his his grievance with the league over the classification of his position is is all just posturing and and getting set up for the negotiations and establishing a baseline for what can be asked what will be asked and you know the the teams use the franchise tag to a establish a baseline but also to you know pretty much slap some handcuffs around these players so that they can well, work them... Well, it buys them
1: time. It buys them time.
0: Exactly. I, I don't mean that in a negative way. I, I, I just mean, like, it, 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 it prevents it, every other team from really getting involved. Um, right.
1: It buys time, but it also kind of gets the, the clock ticking to get something done. So it's not like you're just like, okay, franchise, and we'll... Especially on the second year doing it. It's, you know, it's kind of like... It it gets the process
0: moving. hmm And uh, so, so that right there is that's a significant chunk of what we had as money um, is allocated to Leonard Williams. That, I, I think, is going to be end up relieved at some point in, in the coming days, weeks, or months, or whatever, as they hammer out a new deal. That cap hit for this year will be lowered, and they'll be able to do a little bit more in the free agency. Um, but this was both of our preferred choice of retaining... Talent on the defensive line was Leonard Williams. Um, what I had said was, if they're going to prefer him over Dalvin Tomlinson, then one thing I would do is to re-sign Austin Johnson. And lo and behold, that's what they did uh, today. It, air quotes again. They they legally tampered Austin Johnson for to the tune of one year and three million dollars. A uh, little bit high, but still, I, I I like the idea of a one one year deal because you know he played well, he looked pretty good. He's not somebody you want long term. Uh, you know, I think that they want to get another young guy on that defensive line to mix in with Dexter Lawrence and uh, and Dalvin uh, and um, Leonard Williams and keep that rotation nice and young. Austin Johnson, he's not old, but He's been around. He's not. He's he's pretty much hit his ceiling. I think he's not going to give you much more than you already know. So I I mean I think this is a pretty good deal. A little bit high on the money side, but you know it's a lot cheaper than Dalvin Tomlinson was going to cost.
1: Yeah, I mean I think it's just little depth insurance in case he doesn't come back, which you know seems more than likely not. Um, It's kind of a move on the margins. I don't think people should be going apeshit over, you know, signing him or how much money it costs or any of that thing. But, you know, part of a backup plan in the, in the eventuality that he doesn't come
0: back. Yeah, and that's abso- fine. absolutely. <clears throat> and uh, in, in the last, like, hour since we started recording this, uh, the Giants signed um, running back Devontae Booker. Two years, six million dollars. So we're looking at about three million dollars a year. That's uh, I mean... I think that's fair and I think that Devontae Booker um well we we already discussed the running back position they need two two guys back there right I mean Saquon Barkley coming off his injury now this is two years in a row with a a serious injury um well
1: I mean we, even if he comes back 100% healthy you know is he ready to be a bell cow
0: this first year back Exactly that's really what it is I mean it, it looks like at least for half the season I'm thinking for the whole season, but at least half the season, you're going to be looking at more of a one-two punch in the running back spot if he's even ready by week one to have significant playing time. Nevertheless, you still need he still needs a backup that's capable and um, you know trustworthy in pass protection, etc. Um, and then you still need depth anyway, so there's going to be another move made. I'm thinking in the late rounds of the draft, etc., or whatever, but um. I, I I like this. Guy. I like Devonte Booker personally. I like him better than I like Wayne Gallman. Um, and
1: uh, yeah, Gallman I, Gallman I, did a nice job, but Gallman didn't do anything to say. You know, th- there was never to me on my mind a comparison. Some people were like oh, like another thunder and lightning, maybe like no no no, 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 no. He was capable, and capable is you know it's the other car you have in the garage that you need to get you somewhere. It's not something you're driving around on a Saturday night if you need to. So,
0: eh. your 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 Toyota Corolla is not your date night car.
1: Exactly, you're not you're not going to pick up any chicks with with the Toyota Corolla. (laughs) And Lord knows, I can tell you from experience. (laughs) Um, yeah. Um, you know, kind of a side related story to this is that uh, Gelman made raised some eyebrows when he said that they were going to wait on Saquon Barkley before they make that commitment to that fifth year uh, rookie you know, the optioneer in his rookie contract wants to see how, you know, things are progressing and making sure. And people kind of were like, Oh, jump to conclusions. Like we've given up on him or we're not committed to Barkley. I, I, but I look at the exact opposite to me, it's, you know, being prudent, you know, we have cap issues as it is. And we, you know, we don't want to commit to something that might be just wasted money a year from now. So I have no problem with, uh, you know, even just saying it although who knows what's going on in the background
0: yeah well so two things i have on this is one is that anything a gm or a coach says uh is about 50% true at best ever um and that's because they'll say things and you know it doesn't the rules don't apply to every player at all times and you know the situation changes etc and It's not their job to telegraph exactly what they're going to do to the entire universe, and it's not their job to report every word and punctuation mark from internal meetings. So, I mean, they just give a general idea, and the general idea is Saquon Barkley has not been the caliber player that, so far, that you want to lock up long-term right now. They believe that he can be. It's why they drafted him. Um, but Let's let's kind of phrase that a little differently so people won't go apeshit on us. It's
1: not – it's just the the amount of quality production. Well, that's what I'm saying. It's, based it's, based yeah. off of
0: what they've gotten from him, right now you right. have one year that was outstanding, his rookie year. His next year he was very clearly hurt early on. He continued to play through it, and it, it affected his production. You know, He got healthy and then immediately week two of this year had an ACL tear. I mean would you commit long-term to anybody that had that much injury? That doesn't mean they don't think that he can be somebody worth a contract extension or even the fifth-year option. But you don't make that decision any earlier than you need to. If he I can was, be very honest. Go, go for <laughs> I don't it.
1: Know, I don't know if I commit long-term to anybody in this league right now. I mean really unless I have a – An elite level quarterback and maybe an elite left guard, maybe. But, you know, with injuries, you never know in this league. Um, You know, especially the position like running back where, you know, something where a a serious injury could alter the way you play for the rest of your career. And which makes you extra special into sort of special, but you're still paying for extra special. Things change very quickly in this league. So I, you know, we will we, we'll talk a little bit about, you know, contracts in, in a minute about how these teams are starting to manipulate the rules a little bit to, you know, especially like with, with, with New Orleans did with, with their quarterbacks. But, yeah, I'd be very wary just regardless of just anybody locking up long term because I just see dead cap money down the road almost all the time.
0: Yeah, I mean, and I'm not a capologist. I would never be an assistant GM or anything like that. Uh, there, there's ways to protect themselves against that. And, you know, I, it's not something that I think you do for, you know, five players. You know, you do it for two, three. The guys that you do not want to hit the market, you want to extend yeah. them early before they hit the market and their market value goes up, you know.
1: E- extra special guys at most important positions and if you can somehow get in some position where it it's advantageous to you to buy a year off a free agency or something in that case but
0: well I mean like I get what you're saying about position value and and not position value but like uh, position in relative to chance of injury I, I see what you're saying um, but at the same time I, I think if, if it's a guy and you, you build around him, then it just kind of, it matters, but it doesn't matter. You know what I mean? Like, like, Barkley Barkley's a running back, right? But, like, he's much more than that. I mean, he's, he's, he's your guy out of the backfield. He's a weapon. He's a Swiss Army knife. He's what defensive coordinators have to worry about. He's what offensive coordinators scheme around, you know? Uh, right. And, you know,
1: I'm not saying I'm not talking about not locking him up just because of what his potential could be. Is I'm talking about the reality of what he is. You know, right now the reality of him is when he's healthy, he's dangerous. But he hasn't been healthy, and we don't know post injury what his production could be. And that that's, that at all scares me.
0: Yeah, and and you know, I'm I'm me personally am like a financially frugal person, so. I, I I get that, um, but you know it, it's the the way the league trends with with the way it does things. It, it changes every couple of years. The philosophies change, and new ideas are found, and things are handled all differently. You know, twenty years ago, were we even talking about guaranteed money this much? No. Yeah, and that became the the most important part of a contract, and then. Dead cap, voidable years these these are all new things that have popped up and are now more important than anything else. Um, so you know what New Orleans did with taysom Hill um, where they just transformed his massive contract into uh, just just they just void it out every single year at any one of the years of the contract extension is voidable at any time. It's just kind of on the offset that they give him a, a a money this year. What was it? I believe it was like he's going to get a
1: guaranteed like twelve million this year, and then but everything else, even after that, everything, is voidable, and nothing is guaranteed after that. It's just way to spread out this money.
0: Yeah, it seems like a like a. A shifty way of like moving things around and I understand that this year is kind of a um, an anomaly we haven't seen the cap go down and oh my god I can't remember the last time the cap didn't go up I mean there were times I remember they were like what well, they weren't sure if it was going to go up and then at the end of the you know when, when it came time the numbers came in it was still it was like five million dollars higher or something like that but I don't remember the last time it went down um, and it's a significant drop. I don't
1: think it ever has, right? I don't think it ever has.
0: I don't know. I, I, I don't know. So I understand that some finagling has to go around, but I, I can't imagine that this is going to be, you know, contracts for the next couple of years. No,
1: no. But I think you're going to find teams are going to start, you know, it's a copycat league. And they're going to find that this is a nice little way around where you can, you know, kind of circumvent, the limitations of the cap where i i think the nfl is in it's going to clap back at these very quickly these type of contracts it's completely against the spirit of what you know the cap is
0: well i mean from a player standpoint is this something you really want i mean i know you want guaranteed money but
1: they want they want their cake and eat it too they want the, they want as much guaranteed money as possible with as little of a uh you know, being connected to a contract or a team.
0: I mean, you, you think so? I mean I think at absolutely. a certain point they, they like the idea of a nice three, four-year deal because, uh, you know, I mean the the days of OCU and you're a seven-year deal, players don't want that. And they shouldn't because I, they're always I going to outperform that.
1: I think there are a lot of factors involved why they want that flexibility to move on if they have to. You know, you, you know, how long are head coaches – What's a 10 year, an average 10 year, three years, you know, GM's GM's get shuffled in and out pretty quickly. I mean, look what's happening with Deshaun Watson. He signed this huge deal and all of a sudden, you know, they, they change at the change at the top, the front office changing the coach. And now he just wants to get the hell out of there. You know, I, I don't think he's doing, you know, I want to get out of here because of purely financial reasons. I think it's the situation changes. And I think there's more change around the league every year with hires and fires and, drafting got guys they are expected to play sooner than later than they used to maybe 10 15 20 years ago and but they also want their money so like i said they want to get as much upfront as they can you know be damned to what the cap hit is on your team but they also want as many outs as they can so they're not tied to them as long as they need to be. You think so, so? I,
0: I, I feel like I feel like yeah. players want that one contract after their rookie deal that's going to get them four years and as much guaranteed money out of that as possible because they want that work. I mean, they, they, they know that the injuries are going to happen, decline in play will eventually happen. They don't want to have to hit the market looking for a new deal at that time. They want to be covered.
1: I, I think you're talking, when you're talking about the top 15% players in the league is different than the rest. I think if you're an average Joe, if you are, you know, Kevin Zeitler, for example, I, I tend to agree with you more, but I think if you are a quarterback, a, a top wide receiver, a top offensive lineman, I think it's different. I think it's more about how do I play the market to maximize what I can get as much as possible. And also remember, too, with all athletes, ego kicks in. You know, If you are not you know, people are measured by their contract They're Who's the highest paid wide receiver? Who's the highest paid quarterback? But players now, always have that, that threat that of a holdout.
0: Guys. You know what I mean? Players will always have the threat of a holdout because if they are good and a team doesn't want to deal with it, then some other team will pay what they're, what they think they're worth.
1: Yeah. But with, with the holdout too, you know, if they, if. If they lose money because of a holdout, first of all, holdouts never work because you never see guys hold out during the regular season. I mean, they may hold out during OTAs, they may hold out maybe at the beginning of preseason, but I can't even think of the last time we've had a holdout where it went into week one, week two, week five, week ten. It doesn't happen. I mean, these guys realize too that you know they start burning, the, you know, cutting off their own nose to spite their face with that because they're not going to get that money back, especially if they get traded. Like if they hold out for four weeks and finally. Deshaun Watson holds out into the first week, month of the season and he gets traded, do you think they're going to they're gonna waive those, those penalties and fines? Fuck no. I mean, if, they, if it's a situation where they're holding out for their own uh, team for a re-extension or re- renegotiate their contract, most likely they'll probably waive whatever fines and everything. And you know, the, the, the pay that they lost, they'll, they'll probably pay him back. But when they're moving on, tell them go suck off.
0: Yeah, I don't know. It's it's strange. Um, but since you brought Kevin Zeitler, uh, in order to make room for things to start happening this week, the Giants did a little bit of cab voodoo, uh, which involved uh, releasing Kevin Zeitler. Um, you know, it, it's something that I think made a lot of people nervous. We didn't get to talk about the offensive line too much yet because that was this week's episode. Um, but you know Kevin Zeitler last year I don't think was their best player, but I think in his time here has been the most consistent. Uh, I think you know he's been he's been good. I mean he's been he I think he was their best offensive lineman the year before when they had him. Low, low bar, <laughs> yeah, low bar. But I, I think he's he's always been a good offensive lineman. Uh, I just think that you know last year they got some exemplary – exemplary play from Nick Gates, uh, who I think probably was the best lineman on the team for the length of time, for the longest length of time last year. And Andrew Thomas stepped up. You know, you know his first couple weeks were a little shaky, but as the, as the year went on, I mean, down the stretch, I don't think he gave up like a single pressure.
1: Well, um, yeah, we, and we, you know, that's why we stress patience with everybody. We knew the guy was good. It was just like he had no off season and thrown into the fire.
0: And you know we agree, right? Kevin Zeitler would still be on this roster had it not been for the cap going down, right?
1: Of course. Yeah. I mean, the one of the biggest needs on this team, it's one of the ones that fans kind of forget about a little bit because they're so, you know, we need a pass rush, we need a receiver, we need this, we need that. It's this offensive line is, eh. Yeah. I mean, it's got a, it needs depth it needs you know it needs still needs more talent it still needs some more building to it too and you know having zeitler you know and we're going to talk about Nate soldier in a minute too just provides quality depth that's needed
0: mm-hmm. yeah i mean zeitler would be one of the last positions that would need upgrading you know we, you know we're not really sure what's going on in the left guard position uh, we'll get to that in a minute but you know some remedies there are not working out the way we thought we don't really know what we have as a backup center the right tackle spot is kind of up for grabs but the right guard spot you know I was happy with Kevin Zeitler and I think he would have continued playing better than he did last year if he had somebody better on uh, at the right tackle spot um this is just a cap move I think I I think they were happy with everything that Kevin brought to the table and he's been really good and you know for what it's worth he ended up being signed today by Baltimore for three years for 22.5 million dollars and he's Definitely not cheap, you know. He he came, he came with deserved money. So, mm-hmm.
1: well, you know. Also, once those guys hit the market, you know, their they their market value is probably overinflated for what they're actually worth.
0: A little bit. I mean, uh, most teams. I think all but like maybe five teams are a little bit hamstrung by the cap this year because nobody really saw it coming. And speaking of that. That's where Nate Solder comes in, you know. So Nate Solder is, is has agreed to a restructure of his contract. The details of which I have not come out yet, but it's believed that his money this year is going to mirror what the dead cap hit was going to be anyway if they mm-hmm. cut him, which I think was like six million dollars, around six million, yeah. Um, so essentially, the Giants get you know a player. Of whatever caliber, um, for the money they were going to have for no player anyway, um, cutting Ritz. him outright would have given them no player at the tackle spot and and that amount of money anyway. So you might as well get, get have that guy retained and see what you can get out of him because you know he he he's a veteran. I mean he's 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 had a year off from football. You know, maybe he's not as hurt, but th- this is a th- this is a win win. I don't know how you could even complain about this because well, this is the not amount only, of money you're going to pay anyway.
1: Not only is it $6 million you're going to pay anyway, but there's also a cost to have to replace him. Oh mm-hmm. well, yeah. I mean, even if you're getting just a purely a backup, a backup swing tackle, that's not going to come for, you know, the league minimum if he's worth half a shit. So, you know, the cost is even more than the $6 million to replace him. And, you know, let's go back, you know, let's a this little revisionist history. I mean, Fans treated Nate Solder like he was a combination of Eric Flowers and a turnstile. I mean, he was hurt that last year. I mean, I don't think it was ever officially said it. I don't think he ever said it, but he was definitely not right. I mean, the drop-off from one year to the next was very noticeable. It doesn't happen that quickly. And so, you know, having a year off, you get his body, get his mind right probably. You know, the worst-case scenario is he doesn't make the roster. And that probably means that we have, you know, capable people to back up, you know, our starting five now as it is. So that's not the worst thing in the world.
0: No, I mean, it's it's a win-win. So you have a win-win-win, right? So mm-hmm. right now you're going into camp with Matt Pert and Nate Solder, you'd think, competing for the right tackle spot. You have an open competition, best man wins. So... First situation is that Nate Solder wins because he's just he looks good again. Um, all right, so then you you are getting a right tackle for six million dollars. Win, you know, and, and you have some some depth that you're trying to develop anyway in Matt Parrot. Uh, so that that's a win. If Matt Parrot wins, then okay, now you have depth. It's a little bit expensive depth, but it's the same amount of money you would have spent anyway. And but yeah. he's also
1: – he's definitely who can play either side because remember yeah. – Right. All three time, of these
0: tackles can play either side.
1: All three of them 11 months Because 11 months ago, we were having the conversation where, you know, would Andrew Thomas start the season right on the right side or left side? Yeah. So he could play either one.
0: Yeah. And, you know, the third situation is uh, he's absolutely horrible, whatever, and, you know, <laughs> you, you just – you get rid of him. I mean –
1: was there any difference of? I don't see or, that happening. By the way, was there any difference in cap hits if they cut him now or post June first? Or
0: yes, the the, the, the six final? million is the post June first dead cap hit, which is what they okay. probably would have waited for anyway. Okay, uh,
1: was there is there any reduction if he gets cut during training camp or does make the final roster?
0: I don't. Well, I mean that's going to depend on his restructure because I think that's it, true. some Good of point. it's going to be like whatever is converted to roster bonus, I guess. And stuff like that. So I. I so he'll
1: probably he'll probably get some significant roster bonuses based on uh, number of snaps, mm-hmm. how many games he starts, things like that. So yeah, okay.
0: So I mean, let's not. I I know that like we we all want to hate Dave Gettleman because that's the easy answer for everything. Uh but I don't know but, what the, but this we businesses. But go ahead. <laughs> this 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 contract and hit for this year. It's unfortunate because this hit was supposed to hit last year and it and it didn't because he opted out. And now it's hitting this year on a down cap and it just, you know, that sucks. It's unfortunate. When he was signed a pandemic was not really, you know, on the writing you know, the, the writing on the wall at the time and you know, they couldn't really plan his contract and and dead cap hit around it. Uh so it is what it is. I think I think everyone in the building, from the offensive line coaches to Joe Judge to John Mara, Steve Tisch, and Dave Gettleman, all the way down to the fans, would rather have a situation where Kevin Zeitler is on the roster and Nate Soldier is not. If you had to pick only one of them, but the money just doesn't work out that way to put a to, to field a good team. The, the correct answer is that. Both of them you should be probably trying to upgrade this year or next year anyway. So with that, the Giants are going to have to supplement some people on the offensive line. Um, The current offensive line, the way it looks right now, um, we are expecting Andrew Thomas to start at left tackle, Will Hernandez to start at left guard, Nick Gates at center, Shane Lemieux maybe at right guard, He's probably the first guard off the bench. I don't know, uh, Nate Solder and Matt Parrott at right tackle. You know, in a completely open competition, um, off the bench, Chad Slade, Jackson Barton, Jonathan Harrison, Kenny Wiggins, Kyle Murphy. That's not a lot of depth right there. No, no. I mean, you, you consider you have you have a you have a decent tackle coming off the bench on either side with Nate Solder or Matt Parrott. Both of them have played left tackle. Both of them have played right tackle. Um, so you're probably okay at the, uh, the tackle position, but you're going to want to upgrade that anyway because Nate Solder is not in your future plan. So you have depth for this year, but not next year. So tackle, okay. Put that check mark. We need to tackle. Guard, I'm not sure that we have a starting guard yet right now. Will Hernandez looked a little up and down last year. Uh, his mistakes looked more embarrassing than they were frequent. Shane Lemieux's mistakes looked less embarrassing than they were frequent.
1: You know something? I'm going to give almost every offensive lineman in the league a bit of a pass because, you know, offensive line is built so much on, on strength and conditioning as much as technique and, you know, experience and everybody's normal strength and conditioning programs are completely jacked up last year. So I'm going to, you know, a lot of things we saw like Will Hernandez, like, oh, we took a step back last year, but these these guys were just not ready to play, you know. Especially those big guy, those big bodies, you know, to play. It's one thing if you're, you know, a receiver or something where you're not relying as much on strength as you are, you know, flexibility, agility, quickness. So let's see with everybody back in the regular program this summer. I expect to see, you know, Will Hernandez, you know, getting back to what we expected of him in his first couple of years.
0: I mean, that may be. Uh, again, I think you have open competition there. Uh, sure. But, well, that's what you want. Regardless, you have you have two guys who didn't look great last year as your only guards, and then I don't know what you have. But I, I I think I feel pretty good about center. I think I feel pretty good about left tackle. Um,
1: but so let's talk about let's talk about Andrew Thomas for a second. What okay. do you expect in his second year, and what do you think his ceiling is as far as you know? Do you think we have a left tackle that's you know? He'll be with us for the next seven, eight, nine years as being a solid rock. I mean, what, what are you expecting?
0: I do. I mean, Andrew Thomas was my tackle number one. Uh, I, th- I thought he was the most consistent and the most pro-ready combined. Uh, you know, I liked I liked Jedrick Wills a lot. Um, Mekhi Becton I was worried about, you know, especially with the amount of weight that he had. Uh, and, and Tristan Wirfs, to me, was nothing but a right tackle, which is fine, but I, I – you know if you have a shot at a left tackle I'd take that first and a little bit harder to come by. Um right. he was my he was my guy. I thought that he was he was the guy he that pick at four was exactly the pick I would have made. Um so Me too. Me I, too. I, and I I a hundred percent think that he's you know he's your left tackle of the
1: as long as and, you want him. And uh, I didn't lose one night, one hour, one minute of sleep over his struggles in the beginning of the year
0: either. No. Not at all. I mean, and uh, it, the struggles were not em- even, like, immediate either. I mean, I think that first game against Pittsburgh, he was fine. I wasn't really all that worried about it. Um, yeah. it you know, the struggles started to come in, not to mention we had an offensive line coach fired, yeah. you know, we don't, everything we, we'll, switched. We'll
1: never know the whole soap opera went up beyond behind the scenes with that, so.
0: Yeah, I, I mean... I'm not crediting Joe Judge with making Andrew Thomas right. I'm just saying there was some turmoil there that coincided with some of his struggles. End of story. I mean, wh- whatever was happening in that room was clearly affecting him. It got straightened out. Whatever. I'm I'm completely comfortable with Andrew Thomas. I, I'm i not going to sit here and tell you that he is going to be Tyron Smith, but I think that he is going to be the guy... I think he's going to end up getting his fifth-year option. I think he's going to end up getting a contract extension. That's what I foresee out of him. That's what I... That's what I saw out of him coming out of Georgia. He, he he really is rock solid there. I'm I'm happy with Andrew Thomas. Me too. I think
1: he'll be perfectly fine. I think he'll be, you know, a guy who's our left tackle for the next decade.
0: Um, and Nick Gates. You know, I, I had no complaints whatsoever about Nick Gates. Yeah. I, I had no
1: expect. I had no expectations. Would turn into no complaints. I mean, yeah.
0: really. That was one of our big uh,
1: talking points last off season. Was who the hell's you know, the play are we, center? What are we, gonna, we don't have a center now. Will it was it lightning in a bottle at one time, or is he going to? You know, you know I, I still think I would kind of be on the lookout for a center for the next, you know, one or two years down the road. But for right now, if he does what he did last year, he's very capable.
0: Well, Nick Gates has asserted himself as a very intelligent player and a strong player and a, an agile player because. I think looking at him now, after the way he played center last year, is that he could play four out of the five positions on the line. I think if they brought in a center, and then we're going to start talking about these options now. So this is perfect. Uh, if they if they find if the best player available is a center, I think I am happy moving Nick Gates over right or left guard. If they you know if they need him to play right tackle at some point, I think that's fine too. I think he can play any of those four positions. I wouldn't put him at left tackle at all, but you know that that is that's like Dave Deal levels of value right there, um, and uh, I, you really can't put a price on that level of versatility in the way you can just shift around a line. I would prefer, I think, that they find a top level guard and allow him to stay at center where he is still growing. But I'm perfectly comfortable with them. You know, making that switch if, if you know the the best center you've ever seen becomes available to them. You know,
1: what do you think about next year? You think we'll see some of this kind of like, you know, bringing in guys like a, a quote unquote second shift of uh, Lyman, How they were doing it last year. You think that was just something they had to just do last year out of necessity?
0: I don't know what the hell that was. You know, i I've, I've been thinking about that like on and off as I've watched film on these guys and, you know, thought in my head, is he right side, is he left side? And I was just thinking back and like, you know, Hernandez coming out, Lemieux going in, Parrot playing left tackle for some reps and then coming back in at right tackle and then not playing at all. And, and I don't know really what the hell that was. You know, I don't know if they were just like, you know, I just want to see him in a game do it. I, I, I have no yeah.
1: idea. Yeah, I know if it was out of necessity, if it was trying to be innovative, as it tried to scout, as, you know, I don't know. Yeah,
0: yeah I don't know. I I, mean, I don't know if maybe they're just like, well, this is the play we want to run. This guy runs it better. But it wasn't even that. It was like whole series. I have no idea. I don't know. I, I've never quite seen anything like it. Mm-hmm. Right? It wasn't particularly effective either it wasn't like oh wow Um, I mean I think there was I, I mean it's hard to say the, it started becoming effective when this became like a power man running game we would see and you know air quotes effective because it depends on your definition of effective for me it was they were picking up first downs and then capping drives off with points that's effective to me but you know from an analytics standpoint if you're behind and it takes too long and I don't know, whatever. But for me, the way it looked is that it was becoming effective down the stretch there, sort of around the Daniel Jones injury time, maybe Mm -hmm. a little bit before that. Um, You know, there were so many variables on this
1: offense that you can't really pick pick out one thing that was impacted on its own. You know, remember, we without having Barkley the whole year change everything around Daniel Jones gets hurt for a little bit you know playing around the offensive line shuffling guys around you know all these different things that you know it's really hard to you know that was one of the there's one of the big tough things that this coaching staff I do in the offseason is really evaluate when you have all these variables coming in
0: mm-hmm. yeah yeah I, I don't know if they're ever going to do that again but you know, when I look at this offensive line the way it is now, I just see my main concern here is uh, I have a little bit of concern about tackle, but, uh, you know, I'm willing to, to, to see what falls to me there at, on the right side. But my main concern is that the guard spots, and quite frankly, both of them...
1: This sounds like a broken record. We've been saying this every single year. Well, I mean, it? I think they had
0: it solved, but, you know... The cap demands that Zeitler leave, right. but right. I'm okay rolling with Will Hernandez at left guard or an open competition between him and Lemieux at left guard. But we can't have both guard spots be a little bit of a question mark. I, I'd like to solidify one, and since both of those guys have only ever played left guard, I, I prefer to be looking at a right guard right now in the draft. So I, you know, I went through and I looked at all the the friggin' guys that I could. I really did. And um, this is going to be an unpopular one, but my, my number one pick for a guard right now, uh, you know, and that's number one as in if they were going to use their highest priority, you're looking at a first second round pick. I'm looking at Rayshon Slater from Northwestern. Um, I know that he played tackle last year, and uh, people some people think that he's the best tackle in this class. I don't know about that. He's he's definitely athletic enough to play tackle. I think that he can play tackle. But at 6'3", I just don't think he has the, the right reach for it. I think he'll be a fine, capable tackle. But I think with all the tools he has, and especially with his line versatility, he's played some center and whatever, um, I think he could be an all-pro guard. I really do. Um, and I don't know if that... You know, sets people off, and I, I know they think he's the best tackle in the class. I don't think so, but he's definitely very talented. And uh, Rayshon Slater from Northwestern would be, if if I were going to invest all of my resources in the draft to a uh, guard, that's probably who I would aim. <laughs> okay, what round do you think he's around? He's, you know, it depends on who you ask. Some people think he's a first rounder. I think, personally, I think because of his size limitations and the fact that it it pushes him to definitely the right side of the line and probably inside I think he's going to be high second round so within our range but some people think he's a late first rounder and stuff like that So um, I know you're familiar with uh, so the guy that I thought would be my number one pick who dropped down because of Rayshon Slater uh, Tennessee's tackle slash guard Trey Smith and I, I've been watching him for several years now I I believe we watched him in person at Florida we did. Yeah, we did uh, two years ago. We did. Mm-hmm. Big dude, six six, can definitely play guard, uh, play tackle. But I again, I like him a little bit better on the inside with his his power and and weight being thrown forward and, and drive blocking. Um, Tennessee kind of does that, right? They have like the one or two guys every year that's just they're they're destined for the NFL, even if the yeah,
1: Their problem is they have they've had such bad quarterbacks for so long and bad coaching for so long.
0: Well I mean speaking of coaching, he's he's now currently Jeremy Pruitt is on the coaching staff, so you have a pipeline there as well.
1: and that might be interesting. I mean I don't know how much, you know, coaches like him have any input at all into, you know, into the draft room, but you know, I'm sure that you know that Knowledge of him, they may they may put a word or two in for him, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, the, Tennessee's lines have never been that much of a problem, offensive or defensive lines. It's just their skill position guys are not quite up to speed, and they've had bad quarterbacks, and that just you know in college kills you.
0: Well, they've so, they've yeah. had bad coaches too, like you said. They've like, had bad coaches, right? Butch Davis or whatever his name is, and um, you know, and and I think. I think I like Wyatt Davis out of Ohio State too, but again, I'm rattling off names as if we're going to use a very, very high draft pick on that. I don't recommend that with with all the um, issues the Giants have all over the place, all over the roster. Where I'm really looking and I'm narrowing it down to two guys that I really, truly like um, is is later on into day three. Uh, sorry, sorry, late day two into maybe early day three. So we're looking at round three, round four the guy I I really 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 like is he comes out of division three didn't play last year because division three didn't play but Wisconsin whitewater product Quinn miners oh my god dude I mean this is like alignments dream film is is him it's it, I know it's d3 so he quite literally doesn't belong there you know but every single block is a friggin pancake he just absolutely did. So I was like, okay, I guess I can't take too much of this into account. Let me just look at his footwork and okay, he leans a little bit, whatever. I can find some fault with his game. And uh, then I was like, oh, he was invited to the senior bowl because Landon Dickerson from Alabama broke his hand or, or something. I, something happened where he got a last minute invite to the senior bowl. Well, I looked up all the senior bowl practice highlights and all the practice notes and he dominated the senior bowl as well. So this dude may be a little bit raw, but I think he'd already be the best guard on the roster if he came in. Uh, so if you get if you get the chance to look up Quinn Miners from Wisconsin Whitewater, uh, you know I, I watched some <laughs> interviews with him too. He seemed like a quality kid. He had he had good academics as well. You know I, I it was one of the things I wondered about him and why he was playing D three uh, was you know. Wisconsin Whitewater apparently is a D three powerhouse, so it's not that much of a drop off as you'd think. Um, <laughs> but uh, y- you know, it was just one of those things where he's from like north, north, north Wisconsin. You know, north of Milwaukee.
1: So, so w- w- is there an issue why you know he wasn't eligible to get into D one like grades or? No, did he have like it, uh... he, he
0: just he wanted to. He he just he didn't have the high school acumen that a lot mm-hmm. of people have and. I don't think that his family has a ton of money. Uh, you know, they own like a fishery or something. So he got the best offer he could get at a D three powerhouse, and he wiped the floor with the competition. And then they were they were out all last year.
1: I mean, not that that excludes you from the NFL. You know, if you can't get in because of a grade issue or something, no, or no. even
0: if you have a uh,
1: you know no, but I mean something he exactly, in your past that, I think you
0: know, he he. He won some award for student athlete something. So I am sure he's not like a rocket scientist or anything, but he's he's no Do you dummy. Have a growth he prosper? Like latent latent life or? I don't I don't think so. He's I mean, he's he's 6'3" 320. He's he is <laughs> he's your Midwestern farmhand, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, quite frankly. Um in and, and you know when he couldn't um play last year, he went to a remote part of Canada where his uh family extended family or something has like some farm or fishery or something where apparently he he didn't really even have internet access and he just worked out using like large piles of wood and uh like like <laughs> like rocky four <IV? laughs> yeah ex- exactly and like propane tanks and stuff you know and he he was he had his laptop so he recorded himself like doing all these workouts with them just hoisting them and walking around i don't know he seems like a really good kid, and the fact that he dominated what is definitely NFL competition at the Senior Bowl is is enough for me. From what I saw at the Senior Bowl practice, he absolutely belongs. The D three stuff I I don't even care about anymore. I think that if he were allowed to play this year, as highlights in D three would have been enough for people. Um, I I am I am all in on Quinn Miners in in the third round. I would be stoked to have him, and I think right away he would compete for the right guard spot. Um, another guy that uh, I I looked at this. It's kind of a an overlooked school. Was David Moore out of Grambling? Uh, another dude around that that spot. Maybe maybe one round later into round four, but really really powerful. Six three three twenty. Same measurements. He just hits really hard. You know th- these guys. I look for the interior offensive linemen I want them to hit people. I don't want them to just wall off and push. I want them to smack the shit out of people. So it's really one of the things I look for. Uh, And I will absolutely write down in my notes too soft. Um, But this dude, not at all. I mean, he he picks people up really quickly and puts them on their ass. David Moore from Grambling is another guy I would absolutely think is is on the radar for a lot of teams. Um, So let me ask you, I mean –
1: in the priority list of what the, what the giants are looking for, you know, is this, you consider a top tier thing they'll be going for in the draft or you think it's, if somebody on their list just happens to fall ridiculously lower and they, they, are going to jump on them. But do you see, you know, guard really being a a very high priority for them?
0: Well, I mean, like I said, Nick Gates, I think gives them that versatility, right? If, if, if they like Landon Dickerson from Alabama, for example, to play center, they can get him and move Nick Gates to right guard, and I think overall your line is better. And that's you know ultimately what you're looking to do. Um, Nick Gates allows that versatility. Uh, so they can do stuff like that, but some, something has to happen at guard. I don't think that they're well, going well, into the season me, with let Hernandez me, and Lemieux.
1: Let me rephrase the question a little bit. How surprised would you, on a scale of 1 to 10, if we drafted – alignment in the second round?
0: I wouldn't be totally surprised. Um, it, it would, I think it would be one of those guys you didn't expect to fall falling, you know? And, and I think Rashawn Slater fits in that round. I think he's overvalued, but if he's there, on this, depending on what you do in the first round, getting Rashawn Slater in the second round is perfectly acceptable. You know, you, you plug his ass right in at guard or tackle. And you have an upgrade at both. I mean, personally, I would think that you would probably want to put him in at guard and not, you know, neutralize what Matt Parrott has done at tackle. I'm not really sure he would move inside so well. But just based on Rashawn Slater's measurables, I like him better at guard anyway. And just, you know, from what I've seen of him. Uh, But, yeah, I, I, I... They need help on the offensive line, and there's a number of things they can do. They can get a tackle. They can get Alex Leatherwood. They can get Rayshon Slater, you know, but they can go straight up and get guard. But somewhere along the line, no matter what offensive lineman they get, something moves to cover that guard spot because I really don't think they're going in with Hernandez on one side of Gates and Lemieux on the other. And if they do, then somebody won a competition somewhere where they earned that spot because I didn't see enough of that last year to – think that that was even a possibility now I know that Florida had two offensive linemen that are looking draft eligible, they're looking pretty good, I watched them but I want to know what you think of uh, Stuart Reese and uh, Stone Forsythe
1: Stuart Reese was a transfer from Mississippi State, a grad transfer, he came in um, actually I I think Stuart Reese is coming back, you're right yeah, I was going to say that I think he has some more – he struggled last year with the uh, with the offensive scheme that we were running. But I think now that we're going back to more of having a – more of a running quarterback type of offense and that type of, of blocking package that he did when he was with Mullen the first time. I think um, he was recruited for it. I, I think he'll be – he'll do a much better job this year. But he's not eligible this year. I mean he's coming back.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, and and what did you think of Forsyth? Because he is coming back.
1: Um, you know the, the the Gators' offensive line the last couple of years has not been good. Uh, they could not run the ball, pretty much to save their lives. Uh, pass blocking got better this year than it was the year before, but still nothing to write home about. Uh, Forsythe played center for them and was, you know, I he was all right i mean it was you know again the running game especially up the middle was not very good but uh you know he wasn't getting dominated you know up the middle with pass rushes or anything i i think he'll he's the type of guy that will get you know will be in some camp somewhere and he might make a roster but i don't think he'll be you know a star or anything
0: yeah i think i think with his measurables alone he'll probably go somewhere he's six seven so i mean that kind of reach is really, really coveted on the on the edges there, and he's played tackle as well. So
1: he uh, started off, yeah. He's yeah. he's moved around, but he, he really he kind of found a home at center um, last year.
0: It's, it's it's very interesting. So yeah, I I, I wasn't overly impressed with him. Uh, I actually really did like Stuart Reese. Uh, I thought that he was he was pretty good. You know, just he
1: he would have three or four plays a game where he was just badly, badly beat and just looked out of position and just looked really bad. But then he'd go through a stretch for two quarters and he'd be absolutely fine. Um, I think the word was that, again, he struggled to pick up a different type of blocking scheme they were losing using last year because they, they threw the ball so much. I mean, that, that was not a normal Florida Dan Mullen offense we saw last year. Uh, it was, you know, kind of bombs away all over the field. But I think now that, you know, you're going to have – uh, you know, a return to more of that that run option type of offense that he's been running for, you know, since before the Tebow days at, at Florida. And with Alex Smith at Utah, um, I think he'll do better this year. So, you know, we'll, in 12 months from now, we'll talk about him as a, a potential, you know, Someone that they may draft in the 2022 season. I think coming back for one more year will help him. That year of extra eligibility is going to help him definitely.
0: Yeah. Well, I'm sure we'll still need a a guard. I've been I've been complaining about the guard position since like like 2009. Yeah. So (laughs) I'm sure we'll revisit Stuart Reese in the coming you know in the coming years. Um. But yeah, that's that's pretty much it. You know, I I watched a bunch of guys. Those are the guys that jumped out to me. Um, you know, obviously, I, 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 we didn't even talk about him, but it, I don't know if it's worth it. But, you know, maybe it is because there's an overcrowding of, of quarterbacks up at the top now. We're, we're looking at, like, four draftable quarterbacks. The Giants are picking 11th. I guess there's a chance that Oregon tackle Penny Sewell will fall to them at 11. Um, I would have a hard time saying no to that, I got to say. I, I don't really think that we want another tackle, but... Um, He's another. He he's he's a franchise tackle right there. Straight up, It didn't even play last year because he opted out. But yeah, if he's a
1: franchise tackle, we will not see him.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> someone's going to jump on him. Someone's someone's
1: going to be in the same boat we were, where you know he fell, we mm-hmm. saw the value, we
0: took him. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think you're right. I think it's very very insane that he could possibly fall out of the top ten, but you know. Weird shit happens in the draft every year. Maybe he's got a gas mask video somewhere, but uh, <laughs> you know, with with four quarterbacks and three wide receivers and one tight end that are all, you know, people are going crazy over. That's seven picks right there. Yeah, you know, I, I don't expect him to fall, but I guess it's worth it's worth e- examining because if he does fall, you want to know what to do when it happens. So, uh, yes, Sowell Sewell. Holy crap! Uh, really, really, really good tackle. Um, and I guess at that point, I would swing Andrew Thomas to the right side, right? And then just there you go. You have the best tackle tandem in the league, probably.
1: Uh, well, I don't know. I think you let them duke it out and see yeah, who's better. Yeah,
0: I guess so. Yeah. I wouldn't.
1: I wouldn't. Uh, I wouldn't annoy anybody. I mean, they were. There was going to be a, a, a battle between you know Nate Solder and Andrew Thomas. True. So. Why are we all of a sudden saying, you know, I'll give me into it. To so I think you, you let him duke it out and see what happens.
0: Yeah. I don't know. But, you know, what I do know is that in the coming days, more and more free agent stuff is going to happen. So be sure to follow me on Twitter there where I am actively not doing work at work and instead just refreshing my Twitter feed. I am at football underscore grump.
1: I'm as always at the cranky fan where uh, I'll be watching everything just. Follow me along, and we'll go for it.
0: And as always, this uh, th- this podcast is available on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play. Uh, I don't know everywhere. I, I can't think of all the other places off the top of my head, but
1: basically any place you subscribe to podcasts, we're there. So yeah. just look up look up Just Giants Pod, and we are there. So do us a favor, do yourself a favor, subscribe, and when you wake up every Tuesday morning, we are. Downloaded and ready to go for your listening
0: pleasure. Yes. We will see you every Tuesday morning. Go, go Giants. Giants.